You are listening to the Women in Youth Ministry podcast. My name is Heather Lee Kennison, and I am the host of this podcast as well as the founder of Women in Youth Ministry. We are a part of the Youth Cartel Podcast Network, and a link to that network can be found in our description box. You can check out our website, womeninyouthministry.com, to read our blog, follow our social media, and join our Facebook community. Thank you so much for tuning in to celebrate the voices of women. Hey, everybody, and welcome back. This week, our guest is Caroline Stone. Caroline, I'm going to have you introduce yourself to our listeners. I'd like for you to share who are you, where are you, and tell us something unique about you that is totally unrelated to ministry. Hi, so I'm Caroline Stone. I work at a Methodist church in Houston, Texas. It's the same church that I grew up in, so I love it dearly. And uh, a fun fact about myself is that in my 25 years, I've traveled to 13 countries. I've lived in two. I studied abroad in Ireland for a semester, and I lived in Australia for about eight months after graduating from college. Uh, I worked at a bookstore there. I've worked at a bookstore in Houston. So my Instagram bio says it all. I'm a youth leader, traveler, bookseller, and dog lover. And that's pretty much all you need to know about me. That's awesome. Do you have any dogs and what are their names? I don't have any dogs of my own. My sister has a pug named Trip and he is the greatest love of my (laughs) life. And I dog sit him all the time. So he's basically also mine, but I just don't have to pay for his medical bills. So it's the best of both (laughs) worlds. Speaking of pugs, are you having a bones day or a no bones day? Dude, I just saw it was a Bones Day. I like just saw that. And I was like, this is a great premonition for this podcast <laughs> one and also for my life. I love <laughs> so much. That's awesome. So does, uh, does Noodle determine if it's a Bones or No Bones Day for all of us? Or do we individually get determined if we have Bones or No Bones Day? You know, I feel like Noodle is a great, he's like the groundhog where it's Got like, it. it actually doesn't matter at all, but sure is fun to watch. <laughs> And if you're listening and you have no clue what we're talking about, don't worry. I didn't until this morning when I had to go down a deep, dark <laughs> hole to figure it out. And one of my staffers, who's 22, laughed very hard at me when I told her <laughs> that I had just figured out what bones and no bones means. So it's <laughs> taken over the nation and the this. world. Apparently they talked about him at the Pentagon. I just saw a TikTok about that. So that's crazy. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, So you mentioned that you are on staff at the church you grew up in. Tell us a little bit about what you do in ministry and how you got involved in ministry. So I'm the high school coordinator here, and I have worked at this church since I could work. It was my very first job my junior year of high school. Uh, I started coming here in seventh grade because the youth program is fantastic. Um, I did grow up Methodist, but um, I grew up Episcopalian and I just kind of found my way here. So I started off, I filled out that W-9 like six times for this church. I was a after school leader for middle schoolers. Then we're fortunate enough at my church to have a ton of college interns every summer. So I was a summer staffer after my freshman year of college and my sophomore year of college. 
thought I would get away from it my junior year. I had an internship and then I would just come and hang out after my internship and also work at the church. Uh, and then after my senior year of college, right before I uh, moved abroad, I was able to serve as a maternity cover for our high school coordinator. And that's where I fell in love with the job, knew that I would wanna come back one day. And uh, so I was in Australia and I just really felt the call to come home. I'd been gone for eight months and I just, I was super depressed and needed right. to come home. So I sent my now boss, Mark, this like ridiculously sad email of like, I'm sitting on the top bunk of my hospital and I just want to come home. Can I please <laughs> come and work for the church? And luckily it was right before our summer season. So he was like, absolutely, we'll figure it out. Flew home five days later and started working. Uh, and, you know, God's good timing proved itself again because our high school coordinator decided it was time to move on to young adult ministry. And so I was able to step into high school coordinator uh, in September of 2019. So I've been here ever since. That's awesome. I love that. I love that you get to like work at, you know, this church that you've always been a part of, which I think is definitely going to play into the conversation we're having today. Um, because this season we're talking all about innovation and um, I have been describing innovation as uh, turning a problem into a possibility or turning an obstacle into an opportunity. And it is very difficult to discover what problems or obstacles you have if you've been somewhere for a very long time. So I know I can say that I've been on staff at my church for eight years. And lately I've been thinking a lot about what problems or, or ob obstacles do I not see because I've been here for so long? Um, and I know um, you have quite a bit to say about that. Um, but first, I would love for you to share what, what, how would you define innovation from your point of view? Innovation is one of the words that we're focusing on as a staff right now, actually. We have three words that we're really trying to like define within ourselves in our ministry it's faithful humble innovative and innovative is the one that we're all struggling with so much because it's like the main thing is is it adaptive or is it innovative like adaptive is something like hurricane harvey happening to us and we turned into the um kind of depot for all of the flood buckets and donations and stuff that's not innovative it's amazing it's adaptive hmm. so uh, innovation is i guess i would say something that um, is sorely needed. Innovation is creativity, but also research in, developed in this one beautiful mess of trying to find great ideas uh, that have never been done before in a ministry that has done everything in the past 35 years, or at least we think we have. <laughs> um, so it is a uh, innovation to me is one of the greatest problems that I face every day and uh, trying to be innovative is one of and trying to understand innovation is one of the hardest things I think I don't even know a good definition of it because it's just <laughs> all I think about all the time these days especially after COVID so sure well and I think that idea of innovation versus adaptation is definitely like an interesting conversation especially if the way that I uh define innovation is all around you know what's the problem or the obstacle is at the center you know you don't want to say that all you've done in your ministry is adapt uh and adaptation is so important listen like I don't mean to downplay it when I first started off in ministry um actually when I first came to this specific church 
uh, my boss told me, you need to learn how to adapt or you're going to die in ministry. And I remember being like, what? I'm not adaptable. I mean, I was very creative. I was really good at like, you know, seeing problems and forming solutions. I was very good at the innovative side of things, but I realized that I wasn't good at, at, the, at the adaptive side. Like uh, when a problem comes up, kind of adapting to form a solution around it um, that maybe is outside of what I wanted to do or um, when road bumps came along or, you know, like I wasn't good at that. And so um, I do think innovation and adaptation are like cousins or siblings, but they're not one in the same thing. So that's super, super Mm -hmm. interesting. So tell us a little bit about like, um, it was difficult for your staff to innovate. Tell us a little bit more about that because you have a big staff, you have a staff that's pretty tenured um, and you've been there your entire life. So kind of explain to us, what is the innovation conundrum that you guys had run into? It is, uh, yeah, it's incredible to be on a staff with people that are your family, like the staff um, here at my church, there's seven of us, and the there's five out of seven of us that have been here for more than 10 years. Uh, so three have been here for more than 30, and our boss has been here for about 17. So, uh, and they are the people that uh, raised me, like they're the people that were my youth leaders uh, when I was growing up. So uh, it is, I can't possibly imagine being a youth leader without uh, these tenured voices, Mm -hmm. like guiding me and teaching me what it means to be a youth leader. Um, But it can be difficult to come to the same page when sometimes you're um, throwing out ideas and the people that are uh, theoretically uh, way more advanced or just way more knowledgeable having to just have like real discussions with people that are your family, it can be super hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. And of course we're all loving and um, understanding of each other, but uh, all coming to the exact same page or at least compromising to the same page with seven people with different ages and stages of life uh, sometimes can feel impossible. And so for us, that meant having long and sometimes so boring conversations <laughs> about different problems that we were facing. Um, and as someone that's way younger, I would try to throw down ideas of like, hey, like we've been doing this forever. And sometimes as a baby youth leader, I could totally feel like, oh, my ideas probably aren't good enough. Or like, mm-hmm. oh, I probably shouldn't even like throw down this idea because like, it's probably stupid. Or like, we've probably done it before. I mean, y'all have been youth leaders for 30 years. Like we've probably tried this. And so I think that um, a lot of it was battling my own insecurities of like, no, I need to help them. Like I'm the youngest one here by a lot. So I need to be throwing down these ideas and not um, kind of doubting myself alongside these voices that while are way more tenured and knowledgeable, doesn't mean that my ideas aren't just as good as theirs. So Mm. it's a kind of coming to the same page in that respect has been difficult but also um I feel like we finally found a good way to be communicative and understanding of each other in this innovation cycle especially coming out of COVID I think COVID forced us all to realize the problem at hand um so I'm not grateful for COVID but I'm grateful for the way that we've been able to talk about things after um this 
crisis of um, what is ministry when it's uh, either not in person or after this whole ordeal. Sure. If we can it all out. So. Yeah, I mean, I totally get where you're coming from. When I came to St. Luke's, um, my boss had been in ministry for 20 years and um, had been at this church, I think, for five at that point. And I remembered feeling like that I was really um, out of my league. And I had, I had worked in um, a church and done two internships before even coming here. So um, I had experience, but um, yeah, I was, yeah, I felt a little out of my league and um, it is hard. And I, I watched my boss struggle at times. Um, he was humble, but he struggled at times um, thinking outside of the box because he had tried so many things in the course of his ministry. And he's like, oh, I, I tried that before. And I kind of joked, I was like, well, I get that there's nothing new under the sun, um, but right. we can try things you've tried before. Like, <laughs> exactly. you know, maybe if we try it a little differently, it'll, it'll stick this time, you know? And, um, and so they, yeah, there were definitely like Brene Brown calls it rumbling, you know, um, mm-hmm. as, as we kind of try to figure out what worked for us. And it's very vulnerable speaking up in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you are younger or have less experience or really respect the people above you, it can be very difficult to speak up. Um, so I'm sure that there are a lot of uh, women who are also in their 20s or maybe not in, even in their 20s, but in their first few years of ministry in their 40s who are thinking, um, yeah, I totally get what it's like to uh, have to be really brave and speak up in those spaces. So so talk to Definitely. us, talk to us about um, the innovation process that you guys are going through. Um, you guys are working with CYMT, which we had Andrew and Megan on our podcast, um, like in season one. So I encourage everybody to go check that out. Um, and they talked a little bit about that process. Um, talk to us about uh, what you guys have worked through with CYMT. So we were asked to be on the CYMT in the CYMT Innovation Lab in uh, I, I want to say probably September of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started that. I was not in the innovation team, so my boss Mark was in it with one of our pastors, uh, two of our parents, and two of our students. Mm-hmm. So I will say I don't know as much about CYMT, but. Mm-hmm. Um, from what we, the fruit we have seen so far coming out of it is that um, we have begun a small group ministry or we've begun the baby stages of a small group ministry. Um, we dubbed it uh, the, our problem at CYMT or kind of like problem statement involved storytellers, like giving a space for students to tell their story um, and be honest and vulnerable together. And so it was fruit from those discussions that we'd have about Sunday school or the other kind of sacred cows that we have in our ministry. And uh, through CYMT, we were very uh, humbled that uh, shockingly our church does not do everything perfectly, nor (laughs) are we the absolute best youth ministry in the entire world like we tend to think we are. Uh, and uh, it was so important to us to realize that um, we don't have to do everything the same way that we have always done it. And so the small group ministry that was born out of it, um, like I said, is still in its baby stages. Uh, we still have a ways to go with CYMT, um, but it 
has shown us the amount of research that we have to do. Um, and I think that is the annoying part of innovation for yeah. us at least is that it always boils down to you have to ask the students or you have to ask the parents. Like we are youth staff of seven people could talk for hours and we do in days about what we think we should do in our youth ministry and what innovative ideas can we come up with and how can we make this more interesting? How can we do small groups when it all could just go like just it couldn't even matter what we're talking about because we'll ask the students and they'll be like oh no we don't want to do that like we want to do this or like we want to have small groups or we don't want to um have sunday school like we want it to change and so we've realized that the research stage is the most important thing we could possibly do rather than thinking of all these elaborate ideas and going through this like brave new curriculum when the students might not even want it to begin with. And so I think that's what CYMT has shown us more than anything is that we need to humble ourselves and we need to ask questions um, because the answers matter. That's great. In a large church, how do you ask students for their opinions? We try absolutely everything. We've had surveys, we've had, um, we interviewed, each staff member interviewed at least 10 students mm -hmm. about a year ago and asked them a series of questions about how they felt about our youth ministry. Um, we are tasked with asking students kind of quite regularly, like, what did you think about this? What did you think about this? How, what do you want to learn about? Um, and uh, of course, like with, such a large uh, church and a large youth group, there's a hundred million opinions about everything. Um, and so it can be difficult to choose one faction of answers about that. Like, hey, these people want to have something small enough of like, hey, these people want to have Sunday school at 930. And we're like, great, we'll do that. And the other people are like, no, 11 o'clock. And it's like, okay, well, which one? <laughs> Please let's decide somewhere. Um, and we don't wanna have to hurt feelings or we don't wanna have to alienate a certain group. And so a small church or a big church, that's, a, that's an issue. Um, sure. I think I just, I personally can get overwhelmed with the sheer amount of people, people pleasing that I want to do as a woman in youth ministry. So um, that, uh, that we ask our students all the time and we have enough, as we say, we have enough juice with them to get kind of honest answers, but mm. more than anything, we just hear, oh, y'all are doing a great job. We don't know what we wanna do. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> that's not helpful, but we'll keep on keeping on and maybe we'll hit gold one day with a great idea that will take off. But um, yeah, it's, it's hard. I think like you said, you tried everything and um, I think you were like, oh yeah, we, you know, we tried everything just to get, you know, something. But I think it's good that you tried everything because you have to. Um, and I think it doesn't matter the size church that you, you know, I think surveys are really important because you can cast a really wide net with surveys, um, and interviewing people one-on-one -on -one are great. Uh, often in a, in a medium to big church, you rely on small group leaders or on leaders who have relationships with students and asking them to do that work in their small groups are really important. Of course, you guys didn't have small groups, so <laughs> that's, that's kind of where you're going, but all of those are avenues to get the kind of answers you want. Having listening sessions um, during COVID, we tried Zoom listening sessions. Um, mm -hmm. We would send 
a, a Calendly link to parents and say, if you need to, if you, if you need to, you know, talk about this or in order to talk about this particular thing we're working on right now, click this link and schedule 15 with our staff. And, you know, we tried literally everything and it felt chaotic, but it was important so that we could really try to do the work comprehensively. So I applaud you for, for doing that. So you guys landed on uh, creating a small group ministry and man, this is one of the most challenging things uh, for churches to switch to. Um, talk to us about the steps that you've made so far. And I know you said it's not finished, but make it, maybe walk us through um, what you have done and what you anticipate doing. Yeah, so it kind of started off uh, a little bit random. I, well before CYMT kind of landed on the small group idea or our CYMT team landed on that idea, um, we had been doing a Bible study just with high schoolers um, on every Wednesday night in the fall semester, like right before COVID happened. And it just like wasn't working. Like there just weren't a lot of students coming. So there was one student that would come every week and I could tell needed to be fed, but Bible studies wasn't the avenue for that. So I was like, hey, Sarah, like, what if it, you just like chose a friend or two and we just met on our own and uh, talked about whatever you wanted to do? Like not really thinking like, I'm gonna start a small group ministry, but just like, I like Sarah and she has friends that wanna talk about Jesus. So let's just do it. So uh, we that was the first small group that we had and we went through Alpha, Youth Alpha. I love Alpha. And um, so that is how our small groups start these days. So then um, Mark made a small group of dudes. And so they started Alpha. Um, and we're trying to do it, not just like, oh, all senior girls go with Caroline and all senior guys go with Mark or Corey or whatever. Um, we're trying to do it based on kind of like who gels together, not just like friend groups, but um, a group that is very consistent and not just one age or stage group where anyone can just fly in like 10 weeks into the small group and then kind of like totally weird up the vibe. Um, but that also makes it a hundred million times harder because mm -hmm. especially with high schoolers, it's like, oh, so-and-so isn't friends with this person anymore. So that's going to ruin the small group. What are you going to do? Like kick her out of the small group? No, then we just have to find another small group for her. Mm -hmm. So that is where we're at right now is um, we really only have four going right now of uh, ranging from sizes of like five to 10. Um, and it's very uh, like trial run um, and we start off with alpha and then from there I would just ask them um, what do you guys want to talk about so last year my group of senior girls were like we want to talk about women in the bible and I was like I got it listen to all those women in youth ministry podcasts about women in the bible <laughs> and we would uh, discuss the stories and just kind of what it means to be a young woman in this day and age so it's very DIY, um, which uh, takes a lot of manpower and um, uh, research and development. But right now it's one of the most fruitful things of my life is getting to know these girls on a deeper level and having real conversations about them, about the things that matter. Um, and I just love it. I know it's gonna be so much work to do it on a larger scale with 
all of our students potentially. Um, whereas right now we're just kind of enjoying the small, like no pressure aspect of it uh, and just growing what it means to have a small group ministry. So sure. are you guys planning to pivot to a small group ministry that like it all happens one night or it happens like own time, own turf situation? Own time, own turf. And the other thing that we <laughs> are coming up against is that we've never, quite frankly, needed volunteers before. We have a youth staff of seven people and yeah. we've never, ever, if, from the time I've been here, needed to ask young adults or adults in our um, area to help us out, oh, wow. which is crazy for youth yes. ministry um so now we're just having to find those people for the first time ever so it's uh really difficult to find those leaders and how do we vet them we, we've just never done it before um and having to train them and all of those complications that come with it of one of those things where we're like oh it's so luxurious that we have this giant youth staff and then we're like oh no <laughs> like this is yeah. so hard um to to yeah have to ask people for help <laughs> it's not easy and finding enough people to cover our bases so that we're not having to devote every waking moment of our time to 15 different small groups that's just unsustainable so we try to have the youth staffers only have two going at one time because three is when it starts getting chaotic um but future is going to look a little bit interesting once we figure that out absolutely so um we switched to so so when i came to st luke's um eight years ago we had small groups in confirmation uh during the sunday school hour but we didn't have small groups anywhere else. Like fifth, like sixth grade had one teacher for the whole class and like eighth grade, one teacher for the whole class in high school. Um, I think they broke out into like discussion groups. And so originally I was the middle school director and I was like, okay, we need a small group model across the board. This was when like orange and lead small were like coming out with all their stuff. And I was like a huge L Campbell stan. And so I like, copied all of her small group stuff she was doing through Stuff You Can Use and uh, changed her middle school model to a small group model. Like it still all met at the same time on Sunday morning, like, you know, during that Sunday school hour, which is when our middle school meets, um, but now it was small group based and it allowed our ministry to triple, um, which was exciting because, and it was hard work trying to cultivate those leaders, but having the leaders meant we could actually triple. And, um, be the size middle school ministry that our church should probably have because <laughs> people were not coming before. And then um, when I was taking over as director was finally when we got the approval to totally change up our high school ministry. For years, we wanted to do this, but people were very hesitant. And our high school ministry was meeting on Sunday mornings. And for a church that averaged about 2,800 maybe in worship every week, we would get maybe 20 to 30 high schoolers here on a Sunday morning, mm. right? And so that was a problem. And we were like, well, we know at least 30 other high schoolers are in worship services. And we also know that there's 30 other high schoolers who Sunday morning is when they work. Um, so what if we just like switch up the model? So on Sunday mornings, our high school ministry stopped meeting, which caused a total frenzy, as you can of imagine. But we started doing uh, small groups and it was, a, fortunately, it was the same small groups that they had met with all throughout middle school, 
but where you're saying instead of meeting Sunday morning at 930, you're now choosing the time and the place you meet, which allowed like twice as many high schoolers to get involved than we're getting before. And there have been weeks where we've hit 80 or 90 high schoolers and leaders, whereas before it was like 20, 30, because <laughs> we switched that model. Was it a pain in the butt? 1,000%. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 1,000%. Um, but it's worked for us so far. And it even allowed us the opportunity to restructure our student ministry staff. Um, there are two and a half of us um, for 260 active students, my goodness, gracious. which we could not do without having small group leaders. Like right. I don't have relationships with our kids. Like I did when I worked in a smaller church. Um, but instead of having a high school director, middle school director model, now we have a director and a small groups director model mm. where one of our staff, their entire job is small groups. Cause they said, this is important enough. It's been this big problem or obstacle we have. Now let's make it our like greatest opportunity by creating an entire staff position for it. And so, um, so yeah, so I, like I said, I could talk all day about small groups, but <laughs> making those changes have been so good. So, so hard. I mean, listen, people were really mad at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We were too, we did not do away with our Sunday morning experience. We, thought about it and we just knew that people would be not happy so we've changed we've switched up the Sunday school experience for sure we don't call it Sunday school anymore and we uh just completely changed it because yeah I can't imagine the uproar that would ensue if we just didn't have it at all anymore so our big problem on Sunday morning really was that students were choosing to go to Sunday school to Sunday morning youth group but they did not go to church Right. And we were like, uh, we looked at all the sticky faith research and said, wow, um, sticky faith is telling us that if all of our kids, if, if our kids only go to youth group and they don't go to big church, they won't have faith. <laughs> but if they went to church and didn't come to youth group, they will have faith. <laughs> and so what if we didn't have youth group compete with church? And if they decide I'm only going to go to church and I'll never go to youth group, we're going to have to count that a win. Mm -hmm. uh, which was like a really hard like switch. There were people who were like, if you don't have high school on Sunday mornings, then should we like, are you firing your high school director or <laughs> are you decreasing your staff? And we're like, no, we have high school ministry. It just happens like literally all the time. Right. At Sunday morning. And now our kids are going to church. <laughs> uh, it can be a good thing to change the script a little bit, like getting everyone on board. Like I was saying, it's so hard. Yeah. Especially at a church that big. And to like, it's those sacred cows. It's mm -hmm. those things that's like, we've done this forever. Mm -hmm. Why would we change it? Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it's like, if it's not growing, then change it. Like, mm -hmm. you have to. Uh, you have to get ahead of things sometimes and realize that uh, this is going to be for the best, but it's going to take a lot of effort and yuckiness and like uncomfortableness to get to that point of a growing youth ministry. But the work, I think looking at the work that it takes sometimes can be the scariest part of um, looking and realizing how much work you're going to have to do to create this new beautiful innovative thing 
uh, and actually having the chutzpah to do it is uh, a beast into itself. And so it's, um, it's, it's a life is a highway. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, like for us, it was really obvious we needed to get rid of small groups because we were like, okay, the data shows that we're basically killing our kids' faith by continuing to do it this way. Um, so yeah, we like need to switch it up. But for you, you guys kind of felt like, well, it's not broken, so we don't need to fix it. So how did you determine that it was a problem if it wasn't broken? Like, how did you say this is the thing to change if really everyone is kind of comfortable doing it? Right. It was uh, a little bit of a lot of things. I think CYMT was a really big part of that, was mm -hmm. doing that research um, through the Innovation Lab and realizing specifically that Sunday school was not working. Um, and then it was having a lot of difficult but good discussion uh, with our youth staff about what that means. Um, and so we kind of talked about it forever. Um, and also, I mean, it was clear enough, like, like you were saying, like your Sunday school numbers were 20 to 30, like ours were not that low, but low enough that um, that it was like, I feel like we could be doing better. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like something could change and more people would go. Um, because we got to a point where with the model that we were using, we could, we could spend hours and hours and hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to make Sunday school cooler and funner, but still in the model that it was in. And it would not move the needle an inch like mm -hmm. it just wouldn't work and so um luckily uh, my boss mark is like my yoda like he's so innovative and creative and like such like a fearless leader that he was going to um flip the script whether we wanted to or not really and that sounds harsh but like he knew that things needed to change and he was a good enough leader to um, help us all get on board with, in our own time, but also to usher us along um, mm. and, uh, and show us that I know that you guys might not agree, but I'm sorry, this needs to change. Um, and some of us were totally on board and some of us weren't. And that's again, why we had to have those long, boring conversations from my point of view, but we had to, um, we had to realize that even though uh, we think that we could keep on doing Sunday school forever and it'd be just all right. That's not enough, especially after COVID. I think COVID also kind of kicked us in the butt too of like, hey, you have almost a clean slate right now. We haven't been going to church in a year, however long it was before we went back to in-person. So now is the time to change. If it were ever the time to change, it's right now. Um, so we were, um, yeah, it was collaborative, but also, I mean, we're just really, lucky to have such an incredible leader in Mark um, and an incredible team together where we helped each other along the way and had to flesh out those ideas together mm -hmm. uh, to figure out what this new model was going to be, what Sunday school looked like, Sunday morning looked like, we call it Arise now. We are fortunate enough to have a really cool uh, place called The Refuge where it's a uh, restaurant and also we have a basketball court outside with nine square and we have a arcade room in the back and it's like a teen center I never I never know how to explain the refuge but <laughs> it's way cooler than our youth lounge which is where uh, Sunday school used to be so we meet at the refuge we try something new every single week and so sometimes um, 
arise is awesome and the energy is great. And sometimes it's not as great. And so dealing with that every single week, we debrief it every week. What worked? What didn't work? Um, what can we do different next time? Like, how can we, um, what new idea can we bring to the table? Like, we're every single week, we're thinking of something new. Um, and we're having to innovate uh, every day. And it can be exhausting. And I can't wait until we find a good model again. But of course, as soon as we find that model, we're probably going to want to switch it up too, because we never want to be comfortable. Uh, we always want to be growing and doing the best we can for our students. So sure. Yeah. Well, I applaud your team because I think it takes a lot of um, work to say, hey, we were kind of comfortable doing the thing we've always done, but we know it doesn't work. Um, and so let's approach this. And doing that as a team is hard. Now, obviously, very few people have, like literally very few people have seven people on their student ministry <laughs> staff. But this is relatable you know, if you have volunteers, the same volunteers who have always helped you and, and they're kind of this core team you make decisions with, or maybe you are on a, a church staff of seven and, you know, you have to make decisions together as a church staff. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter what kind of church you're at. This, this um, overcoming sacred cows and trying something new and, um, and living in the tension of it not being perfect until it is, is a real feeling. Um, so Caroline, I'm, I'm really thankful that you got to share a little bit about that today and, and I hope it helps some of the people who are listening. I hope so too. <laughs> so as we wrap up, you know, we love to end with this question. We are the women in youth ministry podcast. What kind of word of advice or encouragement do you have, um, for women who might be listening? I think the thing that I long to hear all the time and I think a lot of us do too is that you're doing a good job like I feel like I never can hear that enough and I can never say it enough and just uh being proud that we are doing what we're doing uh and that we're making a difference in people's lives is I think the greatest gift in the world like we have the best job ever and it's I say it's the best worst job ever it's like so enormously difficult and so enormously worth it every day uh, so I want to say a big thank you to all the women in youth ministry out there because uh, we're, we're doing great. And even when it's hard, it's worth it. So, yeah, for sure. Well, Caroline, you know, I thank you again for being on today. Where could people find you on the interwebs? I have an Instagram. It's at Carol C. Stone, C-A-R-O-L-C Stone. Uh, and you can, you can look at my backlog of fun travel pics these days. I'm not nearly as exciting as I was when I was traveling, but I'll be traveling again soon. So you can check me out there. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you again for being on and I want to thank everyone for tuning in this week and listening. We will see you guys next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate us five stars and follow us on Insta or Twitter at women in YM. If you are a woman, we'd love to have you in our Facebook community. Go to womeninyouthministry.com to learn more. To listen to more podcasts from the Youth Cartel Podcast Network, go to the youthcartel.com slash podcast dash network.